people pray, and we'll jump in. Dear Lord, we do thank you so much that once again that we can come together and just spend a short time in the middle of the week to seek your face and to be encouraged. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, as only you can. With Even uh, though there are some people that are not here tonight, Lord, there's still way too many people for one person to be able to speak to everybody. Lord, it's impossible for one man to speak to another man's heart, Lord, without you working and doing the work on each person, Lord. And I pray that you would do that now and that uh, you'd be honored and glorified in it and that we as a church would be better for it. Pray you bless uh, this weekend, Lord, in Greece, that you would just guide and direct everything, make all the moving parts come together as this would be your will, that uh, we might see the work there continue on in our absence. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Nehemiah chapter 8. In, uh, we're gonna, any, we, it, was a, it was a blessing to be able to preach at the boys' camp. And I had a couple lessons I was teaching, too. And one of the things I told the guys during the preaching class was, you never really want to ask as a preacher, does anybody remember what I preached last time? Because if, you're, if, you're, if the response is a bunch of blank looks, you're like, oh boy. And as a preacher, you get so excited about your sermon, you're thinking about it constantly, and then when it's forgotten the next day by people, you're like, how in the world did that just happen? You know, I remember. But you know, I heard somebody say one time, it's like, People may not remember what they ate for breakfast or lunch or dinner the week before, but it helped sustain and give us energy for what we had to do that day and the next day. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to break my own rule on that one and say, does anybody know what we did two weeks ago from this book? Is there a one? Mrs. Christian. Worship. Thank you very much, Mrs. Christian. Yes, worship it was. And... I appreciate that, Mrs. Krishna. Thank you. And I put you all on the spot. I know you all know it. It's just one of those things like it's in the moment. Uh, but tonight we're going to continue in that vein a little bit as we start in verse number nine. And it says, Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Uh, in case you don't remember from last time, in verse number 8, we talked, eight, verse number 8 gives a wonderful definition about what preaching is. It's reading the word of God and giving the sense of what's being read uh, to help us to understand and to use it practically in our lives. And so they had read from the book of the law. They were, we looked through some of the things they read in Deuteronomy to, to show them about some of the things they were lacking in as both Israelites and followers of God in the law and what God had expected of them. And now, the, Nehemiah, the priests, all the leaders, the Levites are telling the people, listen, don't mourn. Don't weep. This is not the day for that. This day is holy unto the Lord. And why did they have to tell them that? Because all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Now that right there is really something that is amazing and something I don't know that we'd ever see in America again. That when the people of the land were given the words of God that showed us how we erred before a holy, righteous God, that people wept. Can you imagine going out to the streets of Rochester tomorrow and saying, we have sinned 
We have broken the law of the Holy One and True God. And people just started falling to the ground weeping. It's hard to imagine because we've never seen that happen on a scale of any kind. Now, we're going to read a verse here. and We're going to read verse 10. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. There's a lot of verses, especially when you grow up in a Christian home, there's verses that you hear all the time. And sometimes, then when we read through the Bible, we're surprised, like, oh, wow, that's where it's from. You don't expect sometimes that a verse is coming from where it comes from. And this is one of those things. How many people have ever heard the verse, or the the phrase, for the joy of the Lord is your strength? Anybody ever hear that before? Yeah. From Nehemiah. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting to find where commonly used biblical phrases come from and what the context is of it. And here's what happened. Nehemiah said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. Nehemiah encouraged them that day, don't grieve, don't weep, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so tonight we're going to talk about the joy of the Lord. Think about this. The Israelites were lacking some joy here, and what was it that they could have found to, to be discouraged about or to find a lack of joy? There were still enemies without. As we looked at in the, chapter 6, there were enemies within, within the families of the people of Israel. There were not a whole lot of people right now that were benefiting long-term from the building of the wall. Remember, the Bible said that the houses had not been built. Who was benefiting from all this work? Have you ever done something, you finish it, you're so excited, and you're like, was that worth it? I mean, what's going to come of it now? They just built this wall, and now they all look at their in awe from the outside, and they're like, hey, does anybody actually live in there? No, there's nobody in there. There's no houses built yet. Maybe they were discouraged about that coming off of the victory that had come in building the wall. And now they found out how bad their sin really was. And it caused them to be discouraged and lack joy. Now what about what was going on was right? The enemies were now outside the wall. They were no longer able to access them as easily. And a great work of God had been done in the building of the wall. And now, God had turned their sorrow into joy. You know, for Christians, there always seems to be something that will take our joy or turn our joy into sorrow. Yes? Think about, I'm, I'm going to try to depress you for a few moments t- tonight and see what we can do to help with the joy. Think about this world. It's appalling to me to see the condition of this world today. That people know, it used to be very common to find somebody and talk to them about the Lord, and the rarity was saying, do you know anything about, what do you know about Jesus Christ? And they say, I never heard of him. There's an entire generation now that has not heard of him. And it only gets worse as things get further down. Why? Because they're not growing up in church. In fact, if they do grow up in certain churches, they're still not hearing about the true salvation through Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't, don't recommend you do this, but if you were to check out other 
uh, modern style churches, you would be maybe shocked to find out how it's really not much about God. It's a lot about community. It's a lot about... People don't go to these churches to get this feeling of being feeling upset about their condition. And the pastors don't want that. They want people to come. And if you get people to come, you can't really make them feel bad about it. And it's not me trying to make you feel bad. It's the Holy Spirit doing His work in our hearts with the Word of God. So to remove that guilt... They must remove the Holy Spirit. And it becomes just a lot of man's fancy words. So people, if they do go to church, they may not really hear about Jesus Christ. If they go to school, they definitely don't hear about Jesus Christ. If they're in their neighborhoods, they most likely don't hear about Jesus Christ. So where would they hear about Jesus Christ from? I'm not going to get it on the news. So we deal with an entire generation of people that don't know Jesus Christ. And what is the result of that? These, unfortunately, they're not all that rare anymore. I've been seeing a lot of these things coming up all over online where people are walking along, and they don't know these people, but they're smashing them in the face. Old people, young people. 80-something-year-old woman was smashed into the chest, and her heart, like, stopped, and she had to go to the hospital. She didn't know the person. The guy just had pent-up anger going by, and boom, pops two different people. Who would do that? People that have not been taught about the Word of God. The Bible teaches that the law is written on our hearts, but when everything around us is meant to try to dim that teaching and dim that influence of that law, eventually you don't have any absolute truth to guide you. And so that's why people do these random acts of foolishness which the Bible, we know how the Bible says foolishness is supposed to be taken care of as a child. And that's yet another reason that we have a rampant cases of foolishness around this country and world today because they weren't dealt with according to the biblical truth about how to deal with foolishness when they were children. So the condition of our world is not good. Anybody hear the news that uh, they say maybe by December we might be back to masks? Anybody hear that? You know what? My daughter, the youngest one, she'll be, where is she sleeping? She's four, she'll be four years old in October. For this first two and a half years of her life, the only people she really saw without masks were her family. Because we had to, we had to wear them or we were getting fined. Can you believe that? She, all she could see was eyes. How does that do with making people feel friendly and all that around people. It's difficult. And yet, you know, this is something that could be coming up again. I don't care who you like as far as politicians go. Next year is going to be a pretty bad year in America. Because we're going to hear the worst about every one of them from each, from each of them. And there's going to be a lot of bad stuff happening. I mean, we may end up getting some more money from the government. I, that could potentially happen to make us feel better about a particular candidate or another, but things are not going to be good. How about jobs? You know, I, I, I heard people say and read people with making $130,000 a year with one kid, they say we can't make ends meet. I don't know how many ends they have, first of all, but, but they say that it, I think the 
average right now that people say they need is like $75,000, $80,000 a year to live in this country today. And I, I've seen a sign up for months now trying to get people to work at a, at a fast food place to punch the keys on the, well, punch the screen or do whatever for 18 bucks an hour and they can't get people. $18, when I left America, I was like, I mean, $18 an hour is a lot of money. So the situation with jobs is really not going well. And then when you look at the fact that there's a majority of us that are primarily single income wage earners in the family, it gets even more depressing. And then we have several kids. Who's feeling a little bit more discouraged right now? Anybody? Can, we're going to get to the joy. Don't worry. The condition of our homes. That's obviously something of concern to many, is what's going on in our homes, what's going on with outside influences, inside influences. Condition of our churches. We talk a little bit about that. Condition of our relationships. And the conditions in our own lives. Every one of those things can bring us down. Doesn't take much. I mean, there's times I will feel like I'm, you know, so happy, so excited, so something great's happened, and then within the space of just one sentence, I'm like, I forgot why I was just all happy. Completely, I mean, completely. I'm trying to remember so I can get back to that. I can't even remember. Because something in just the space of a sentence brought me down. Anybody feel something like that at all? Who's, who's discouraged or sad or anything? Well, we're going to look tonight because you know what? Joy does not come from any of those things. And so if you look to your job, look to your family, look to your own self, look to your church to be the source of your joy, you are going to get discouraged. God forbid you're looking at our government for the source of joy you're guaranteed to be discouraged for all time. So where does our joy come from? We're going to look at four things, but the four things about our joy. But first, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. This is the prelude to the four things. First, to have the joy of the Lord as your strength, this is the negative part of it. Stop relying on your own strength. You know, people try to get some joy or get happiness or do things on their own and think, well, if I can get this, then I'll be happy, or this, then I'll, I'll, I'll get real excited about something. But look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We know these well. But for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Your strength wasn't enough to save you wasn't enough to save me. So why would we ever think that our strength would be enough to give us joy? When you rely on your own strength as a way to source joy, you will be discouraged because your strength can't get you that joy. Look at another one in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Realize that your strength just gets in the way of God's strength, and that's where our joy comes from. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul said, Our strength 
gets in the way of the strength of God, which is what makes us, can give, give, brings us the joy in our, our, our weakness. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Relying on your own strength to give you joy, to bring you joy, will only empower the flesh. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. When you rely on yourself, that's only going to make your strength get stronger, and your strength is what gets in the way of the strength of God, which brings us the joy. So stop relying on yourself to bring yourself joy. Realize where the joy of the Lord comes in. In our text, it's from people feeling guilty about their sin, and they were told that time to rejoice, this day is holy unto the Lord. If you are saved, God wash your sins away. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to get into this in our first point coming up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. It's not who you were anymore. It's who you are. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you as it goes through a long list of sins. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I love those words. And such were some of you. That's who you used to be. That's not what you're known as anymore. You're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. So right there, we're going to jump into the first point. And just after this last verse, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. Got a lot of scriptures tonight. If, uh, I, I see a lot of people taking notes, which I, I, I love. So I'm, I'll make sure, give you time to get those down and get to their passages as well. Hebrews 10, 17. So in our text, the joy came when they realized the other part of God's promises about those about you the law, about breaking the law, that if you return to God, he'll forgive that. And they began to rejoice. And as far as Christians go, look at Hebrews 10, 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Aren't you glad God's not like us? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you remember the sins of somebody in your family? I mean, you might not remember what you ate for breakfast this morning but you for sure are going to remember something that somebody did to you 15 years ago. Yes? Some of us have amazing memories when it comes to how we've been wronged. It's terrible. Because as we're supposed to be more like God, God says, those sins and iniquities, I'm not going to remember them. You're washed. You're sanctified. Now, this is a whole other message, but those things, they do leave some scars that can make trust and things like that more difficult, but the memory of it, God said, it's gone. Look now at Luke chapter 15. So, four things tonight about the joy of our Lord and how we can have it. We can have joy in a forgiven life. You know, the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. And that he would be before the throne of God accusing us, telling God, they are not worthy of you. Absolutely right. Yet God, in his everlasting mercy, saw that he wanted to do something so that he would make a way 
the only way for us to be able to attain unto heaven. Not through our works, but through Jesus Christ. And he says, I know they're not, but I'm going to do something anyway. Don't let the devil get you down with what you've done. That will steal your joy when you start thinking of all your sins. Now, there's a lot of them, and there's, there'll be times that I'll just be, I'll be in moments of excitement and joy of the Lord, and all of a sudden, something comes to my mind of something I did 20, 30 years ago. And it just sucks all the excitement right out of me. And I think, man, what a, what a sinner I am. And it starts getting me thinking, why... Why do people even talk to me? I mean, all these just different things. Because the devil will try to throw things back at you to remind you how unworthy you are of God. In Luke chapter 15, in verse number 7, we have to remember, first of all, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't die for us because we were perfect. He died for us while we were yet sinners. So don't let the devil throw things at your face. Take joy in the fact that we are in a forgiven life. Luke 15, verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Look at verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Can I say that if there is joy in heaven, joy in heaven for one, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, there was a time of great joy that happened in heaven. And if something like that's happening in heaven over you, why are you going to let the devil try to take that joy away by reminding you who you used to be? Think about these, these heavenly beings. I, I get excited sometimes looking at different passages and imagining, because again, our minds are so finite, I can't even imagine heavenly hosts getting excited. How do they get excited? First of all, I mean, they jump up and down. Do they do a holy dance? Do they clap their hands? But somehow or another, they get really loud with rejoicing. And think about this. How often are people getting saved? One a minute? One every 30 seconds around this world? The joy is unending in heaven over one sinner that repents. I can't even imagine that night, December 26, 1986, it was about 8, 8.05, 8.10 p.m. I knelt down next to my mom on the couch in our family room and asked Jesus to save me. And as a four-year-old boy, I couldn't comprehend. Because as a 41-year-old man, I can't comprehend the angels of heaven rejoicing that there was a new name, my name, written down in glory. Can you imagine that up there, they're rejoicing about us and thinking, possibly, I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to be able to join him around the throne of God for all eternity and praise the one that died for him. Angels don't know what that's like because they've never had anybody die for them. We have. And we get so discouraged and down sometimes when we let the devil remind us who we used to be. But we can find joy in the fact that we have a forgiven life. Look at, the, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, if there is a man that 
could say, I am unworthy and I cannot do anything, that would have been Saul before he became the Apostle Paul. I mean, with what he did to Christians, he could easily have said, I can't find the strength to put one foot in front of the other in this Christian walk because of what I did. But it's he that wrote in verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I think he took great joy in the fact that that's yesterday. All things have become new. I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ. And if you can't find some joy in the fact that God saved you, if you ever received him as your Savior, you are focusing on something else that you maybe probably shouldn't focus on. Maybe the works of the flesh. And here's the great thing. I'm not rejoicing in what I've done. I'm rejoicing in what he did. And that will give us joy. Look at John chapter 5. You know, when you focus on the things of this life and you try to base your joy on those things, you will just come away more discouraged than ever. And here's a problem. Christians do this too. They go from thing to thing, event to event, uh, party to party, if you will, looking forward to it, looking forward to it, looking forward, living it. <sighs> then the next day, I'm so depressed. And then go on the next... And they have to finally, constantly have something to look forward to because once that thing they've looked forward to is over, their joy is sucked out of them. You know, I, I um, years ago, I, I forget, maybe five years ago, I finally had my breakthrough marathon. I, I ran the time that Pastor Folk runs when he gets out of bed in the morning. I mean, it was something that had been my goal. And finally, after a lot of work, I, I, I did my desired time, and I was excited, you know, like, you're talking 12 weeks of work, and you, you, you hit it. You know what happened the next day? I was real bummed out. It's like, now what? Running speaking, not in life. But if that was all that I was using for my joy, my joy lasted a total of about 18 hours for that thing that I would have based everything in my life on if I had. I'm glad I had Jesus Christ to be excited about, or else my joy, I would have been tossed into a state of despair and discouragement just hours after the most exciting day of my running life. And that's what the world does from event to event to event. And when Christians get into that same thing, they're looking for that constant high that simulates joy. And when it's over, they have to find something else again. John chapter 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to, unto life. If that verse cannot give you some measure of joy in what God has done for you and how you are now bound for, bound, uh, headed for heaven and that God has wiped away your sins... You're not living enough in your forgiven life. You're focusing on the wrong things. 
Next one, let's go to James chapter 1. You can have joy in a forged life where, you've, you, where God works on you to, to help you to become better for him. James chapter 1, in verse number 2. Not forged isn't copied or anything like that, but uh, pressed down, made better, uh, improved. James 1, verse 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. You realize that one of the things that can actually wrap us up in despair and discouragement is temptations and trials? It's true. I mean, like, if you get, if you enter some type of tribulation, who feels like rejoicing when they're going through some type of trial or temptation in this life? Who wants to rejoice when they're facing one bad thing after another? Anybody? None of us feel like it. But James says, count, that's why he had to tell them, count it all joy. Why? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. See, we need that tribulation to help forge us into something that God wants out of us, to help us to be more like him. We have to have that. So when we hit those tribulations, the Bible says, count it all joy. I mean, again, that's a hard thing to do. Well, my car broke down today. Woo! None of us, I mean, I, you know, the only person in this life that I could probably ever imagine doing anything close to that would be Doug Schwatter. You know, like, I, I, you know, the rare times you beat him in ping, I beat him in ping pong. Woo, amen! I'm like, I just beat you. Could you at least give me the satisfaction of looking? You know, no, I mean, he, he gets some type of joy and excitement going on. But most of us have a hard time having joy in tribulations. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And the problem with that often is because we're staring so hard at the tribulation instead of what it's supposed to do for us. We're focusing on the problem and not past it to see what God wants to do with it in our life. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. We read verse 9 earlier, now we see Paul saying, talking about the messenger of Satan. He says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Because of that, he says, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now we have James, first we had James, now we have Paul, great men of the faith that said, I rejoice in it. I wouldn't let it go for anything. He said, I prayed three times that it might pass, but when I knew this, no, I'm going to rejoice in it because I know that it's here for something better. And people get into this feel-bad mentality a lot. You have no idea how bad it is being me. I mean, it, it, my dad calls it the Eeyore, you know, Eeyore, Eeyore complex. Nobody loves me. You know. <laughs> and people get all, like, you know, I had this, 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 that. It's just terrible. I have a terrible life. 
Really? First of all, you keep telling people that, you're probably going to have a couple less friends because none of us really get our joy filled, our cup filled over by hearing everybody else's problems. But second, you do have somebody you've got to talk to about that. Now, you tell me, I'll pray for you, certainly, but I can't do anything about it. We can tell God, who knows about it. And the Bible says he does not give us more than we can handle, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape. So he's the one that can help us, but when we focus on the tribulations, we miss out on all the glory that comes as a result of that. And we miss out on the important fact that our joy is not tied up in the tribulation, but in getting through that because it's patience and faith. The pa- trying of our faith worketh patience. We need that. So count it joy that God says, you know what, I can trust you with this. And we take joy in the fact that, you know what, God knows what he's doing. I don't like it. But then again, if life was perfect, who would look forward to heaven? You know, I, I see, I, I would say something about a house at this point, but given the fact that my landlords are in this building, I don't, I'm not going to make some, oh, you know, who, you know my, my roof is leaking. No, my roof is not leaking, none of that. So I, I'll say, you know, hypothetically, you're living in a house and it's got roof leaking, the plumbing doesn't work, the, the wallpaper's peeling all off, and you look at it and if you say, how can this happen to me? Well, if it was a perfect mansion, why would you want to leave and go to heaven? What would be trying your faith if things did not go wrong once in a while? You know, you don't know my life. It goes wrong every single day. Well, good. God thinks that you have more opportunities for some joy in your life, that you get to go through those tribulations. Look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Second Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Whoa. Those words in the same verse, abundance of joy and deep poverty, abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they are willing of themselves. They had a great trial of affliction, an abundance of their joy, even in the midst of deep poverty. Anybody think it'd be a little hard to be in deep poverty and be, have an abundance of joy? But again, if you focus on the problem, on the tribulation, on the, dis- the thing that could bring the despair, you're going to get into despair and discouragement rather than focusing on what God can use in that and how God will use that and help us with our joy. Look at uh, Luke chapter 6. And see, this is one of those things that modern churches aren't going to tell you because they'll tell you that it's a lack of faith on your part that you're going through these tribulations. And that, you know, if well, if you just give a little bit more to their ministries that you will have a better life and things won't be so bad, blah, 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 blah. They're not going to teach you that this type of thing is essential for us to be able to find joy and have our joy become more full in the things of God as a result of it. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. 
Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Blessed are ye? Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven for in the like manner did their fathers unto their prophets. When you go through all of that, God says, when that day comes, rejoice. Leap for joy. Imagine how that confounds the powers that be. If we ever get to that point in this country that for preaching the name of Jesus Christ, we could be sentenced to prison, can you imagine what those judges would do? For preaching from the Bible, or that book of hate, you're going to jail for five years. Woo! Yay! And, and for mental problems and stuff, you know, they cannot understand it because all of their excitement is based on things going well. God says, they did the same thing to your father, so you can count it all joy when you suffer for me in that day. Rejoice, leap for joy. Third, have, you can have joy in a fruitful life. Look at John chapter 15. As Psalm, Psalm 73 talks about, it's, it can be easy to look around and think we don't have it as good as the others that don't serve God. But we are often looking at the wrong thing. And again, it's very hard to be joyful when you have everything you need now. How are you going to rejoice? How are you going to look forward to what's waiting for us when you have no wants? You know, it's, <laughs> there's times I'll see, you'll see somebody... Uh, Somebody in the world, they'll, uh, uh, who is it? One of these, um, in Europe, football players, soccer players, that are given a $150 million a year contract. And they're like, God, I know they don't love you. And I know they're not going to do good with that money. If you could have given me 1% of that. But you know what would happen if I got 1% of that? Even with that much money, I still may not have joy. Especially if that's what I'm looking forward to. Well, if I had that, then this problem solved, this problem solved, this problem. Well, guess what? There's just going to be a whole bunch of other problems coming back in behind them. Because that's the nature of life. And tying your joy to those things will always bring you discouragement. Always. Because the eyes of man are never satisfied. John chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. You know, we are blessed by God in so many ways. But more often than not, and something that probably more than anything else takes our joy away, is by focusing on the things that perish that we don't have. And we look around and we think, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. And when you go from problem to problem to problem, I remember there was one time in Greece, um, it, was our first, it was our first trip, 2012. We had the man who was supposed to guide us through the entire five weeks, all of a sudden he had to leave after three days. Talk about, huh? Like, seriously, deer in the headlight look. What's going to happen now? I've got groups coming here that he's supposed to be showing them what to do. I'm just supposed to be the, the guy here. And now 
I got to learn everything in three days, which is kind of what I'm doing to this guy this weekend. And, it, and I had to take the guy to the airport, 10.30 at night. He had to show me how to get to the airport. Not a good sign, because now I got to return. And everything's closed. I drop him off, I go back in the car, I turn the car and it won't start. Again, again, you know what I did? I laughed. <laughs> I reached that stage of the <laughs> And you, you know, it's like, you know what, Lord? I know I'm right where you want me right now. I don't know what's going on, but what am I gonna do? Of course, I could put my fist through the steering wheel. I could try to put it through the window. I could, I could, I could do all sorts of things. Is that going to help me in any way? No. Instead, I said, God, if you want me to walk home tonight, I'll walk home. There's one problem. I don't know where home is. So I could be walking a very long time. And I'm just laughing. They're like, Lord, you know. I don't know. And the only thing I can do right now is trust in you. And of course, then the car starts. But you know what? Sometimes we focus so much on the things we don't have rather than the blessings of God that we do have. We heard on Sunday about the miracle of the heart. We, we, every morning you wake up, your eyes open, you get out of bed, you walk to your kitchen, you walk to your dining room table, wherever you walk, how many of us thank God for every one of the little things in our body that enabled that to happen? And then everything else throughout the day. God has given us so many blessings. And instead we focus so much of our discouragement and despair and lack of joy on what we don't have that we think we need to have. You know why? Because we think if we have it, then we'll have joy. That's why we're thinking that way. That's why we're discouraged have this well once I get it then I can be happy nope promise you it doesn't work that way you will face discouragement and despair every day of your life if you keep looking to things to bring you joy lastly so we have joy in a forgiven life joy in a forged life joy in a fruitful life and all the blessings that God has brought into our life you know what if you were to if you lie in bed at night you can't fall asleep just start counting the blessings that God gave you that day. If you, go, if you can't make it five minutes, you're letting things get in your way. Each day we see, receive so many blessings of God. If you go out to drive during the day, you don't even realize sometimes how many times God... I mean, I'm amazed sometimes. My, the car that my dad gave me, it, it has some issues here and there. So it... Some, it it's a very real prayer of mine. Every time I get in the car, God, please help me get to where I'm going today. And I actually have a pair of running shoes in my car, planning to run home if it doesn't work out right. And you know what? God's done it every time. If he doesn't, is that cause for discouragement? No. Rejoice in what God has blessed us with because everything up to that point, go back in my day and look, what, God, what have you done for me? Look at my family. Look at how you blessed us. How do I have any right to be discouraged and face despair because of this one thing? Lastly, look at 1 Corinthians 15. Having joy in a future life. 
1 Corinthians 15, 9. Uh, no, sorry, look at, uh, sorry, look at verse number 19, 15, 19, sorry. I love this verse so much in this chapter about resurrection. That Paul says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If our hope in Christ dies with us, what did it mean? Because we are looking forward to a life that will never end. And if all we have in this life is just, the, if it is just what we have now from Christ, we're of all men most miserable if our hope doesn't continue past this life. If, our, if in this life only we have hope, just in this one, we're of all men most miserable. But God says that's not all you have. As a child of God, you have a future life that will never end. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter 1, verse 7 and 8. We looked at James talking about tribulations. We looked at Paul talking about tribulations tied to our joy. Look at Peter. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We haven't seen him yet, but it's in him that we rejoice with joy unspeakable. Can you imagine having that level of joy? Yes, you're going to have trials of your faith, James, Paul, Peter, they all talked about that. And they said, but we're gonna, we can have joy unspeakable and full of glory in the one we do not see now that one day we will see him. Go back to Nehemiah chapter 8. You know, I'm not saying, the Bible even says in Ecclesiastes that there is a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. It's not always going to be Happy, 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 happy. But our joy, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not just the joy of the Lord, it's our strength. If you want to get through this life, you need his joy. This is how the joy of the Lord comes. This is how it's presented to us, these things that we've looked at tonight. And, you know, joy, uh, Job said in the midst of his despair, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. You know, our joy is not based on what we don't have. Our joy is not based on the conditions of anything around us. Our joy is based on knowledge. The knowledge that Jesus Christ is coming to earth again one day. The knowledge that one day we will spend all eternity with him. The knowledge that he knows what's best for us. The knowledge that we are forgiven of our sins. Not based on things, not based on friends, not based on anything else, but knowing God, knowing what awaits for us. So yes, you're going to go through days that you're going to be discouraged and disappointed, and I face those same things. But where is your joy? What's it founded upon? Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 12. Now remember, they just went from weeping, mourning, and now after they're encouraged, 
to hold their peace, it says in verse 12, and all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth. Why? Because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. They went from, they did a complete 180 from weeping, grieving about what was going on and their sin before the law to now, let's have Christmas time, sending gifts back and forth, having Thanksgiving feast, all the major holidays rolled into one because they understood the words that were declared unto them, that this day is holy unto the Lord. Get some joy. You know what? The word of God You'll read through, this is something I love about the book of Psalms. You'll read through how David starts so many Psalms, oh Lord. And the way he ends in those, how I love. He goes through talking about the different things. My enemies oppress me, but I will trust in the Lord. Those Psalms, you can just basically flip through and flip through and it says just in psalm 79 so we thy people and sheep of thy pasture will give thee thanks forever we'll show forth thy praise to all generations look at uh i'll just read uh verse 12 of 84 O lord of hosts blessed is a man that trusteth in thee last verse of 83 that men may know that thou whose name alone is jehovah art the most high over all the earth the uh one before that. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. This is a man who started out his writings to God. Lord, what is going on? Please don't keep silent for me. And ended them with, you are God. His joy was not found in his situations, in what he had, in what he didn't have, in his friends, family, nothing. It was found in God. We're going to face, the Bible says it, and we know just from looking around us, we're going to face some dark days in our life to come. Oh, no. The good thing is, let the joy of our Lord be our strength. Again, we're not talking about just, I'm doing great, you know, I broke my leg today, but it's all good, you know. But something that goes deeper than that, joy that we know no matter what comes our way, God is still on the throne. We have a forgiven life. The joy in having a forged life, being made better to be more like him, a fruitful life, the blessings of God in our life, and finally, our future life, where we're going to be with him for all eternity. So I hope you go out tonight, and you know, I, I didn't tell David, what, nobody knew what I was preaching on tonight, and so the, some of those songs about joy, being it is well with our soul. Let these thoughts come to your mind every time in the next 24 hours that you are hit with discouragement let the joy of the lord be our strength the joy of the lord what do i have to be joyful in there's a whole list if you need help with it just start talking to god and tell him lord i don't know why i'm so discouraged all the time help me lord to see what you have done and then just start counting your blessings see what god has done We'll close with a hymn.